right, we're getting into our final week of this more series. It's our fifth week of the series, and I'm going to do a little recapping of things, tie it all up, and give us some vision of where we're headed for this year, all right? Really for the next about year and a half. Is that okay? All right, open your Bibles. I bet you don't know where to. 2 Kings chapter 4. And I'm going to let you sit today. We have stood up and down and up and down. And um, um, you're going to start calling me father if I keep having you stand up and down, up and down anymore. And so, um, but we've been looking at the idea of more. And that back in, in the fall, the Lord began to place in my heart a word for this house. And I do believe it's a word for 2019, this idea of more. But I believe it goes even further. I believe God is putting a mandate on us regarding more. And I've been telling you that means more of God. It means more from God. And it means more for God. I want to experience more of God. And in this last month, you guys, I believe, have seen God begin to move in a way where experientially we've already begun to walk into more. More of his presence. More of his anointing. More of what he has. Amen. More of who he is. And so I want that. I want us to do more for God. I don't want us to back down. I was so thankful, my friend from Pakistan, you guys gave finances to help some, some brick land slaves free. You're doing more for God. That was awesome, you know. And then I want to receive. How many wants to receive? Yeah, I want to receive more from God. Just the fact that God, do whatever you want to do in me. Give me whatever you want. I'll be faithful with it to continue to do what you've called me to do. Amen. And so I do. I believe God wants more for every one of us. And so this month, in order to walk in more, we realized that we had to create some capacity. We had to recreate some, some, some time. We had to create some space. And as we did that, we started seeing God do what only God could do. And where we received this information was from 2 Kings 4, 2 through 7, when this woman had such an issue and she needed provided for to take care of her family because they were in debt and they were going to lose everything. And the prophet said to her to take that oil or to go get what you have. And, and, and listen to what it says. Your servant has nothing, she said. I don't have anything in my house except for a jar of oil. And he said to her, go outside, borrow vessels. Say borrow vessels. From all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. And then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. Just get a picture of this. And when one vessel is full, set it aside. And so she went from him and she shut the door behind herself and her sons and she poured and they brought the vessels to her. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another. And then the oil stopped flowing. And she came and she told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on the rest. Father, in the name of Jesus, over the next few minutes, would you inspire us? Everything that you've spoken to us the last four weeks, would you inspire us to take us where you desire in the next year? In Jesus' name, amen. The story begins to teach us one big, huge principle that you have to do what only you can do. There's things, if we're going to move into more, you have to do what only you can do. Nobody can do it for you. In this scripture, we see that you have to bring vessels. In other words, you have to create the capacity. You have to have a sense that what you have isn't enough, and you got to have a hunger to go after more. And you got to go after it, amen? And once you get those vessels, that's not enough, because that's what you're doing. you got to get behind the closed door and close the door, and then you got to begin to pray. 
Amen. There, there's got to be a spiritual, supernatural component to what you're doing in your faith. If it's just I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm gathering, I'm, 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 you're going to wear yourselves out. Your pastor years ago used to preach so many three points to this and six points to that and five points to this. I had someone tell me, you're wearing me out. I don't even know how many things I'm supposed to do all the time. How in the world? And you know what? She was right. She was absent and let God do the rest. How much you can do, there comes a point you got to shut the door and get in prayer and let God do the rest. Amen. Comes a point to that. And so with that, that idea of gathering vessels, closing doors and praying, and then that action, beginning to take what you do have that little bit and beginning to pour, beginning to do something with what you do have. And what's beautiful is as you create capacity, as you let God be God and you create an environment of prayer and you begin to take what you do have and you begin to pour, God does the rest. God begins to do what only he can do. And, and I want to call that the prophetic pivot. Everybody don't lose it here, Okay. Maybe you've never heard terms like the prophetic. What, what's the prophetic? Is that when you look into the future and you speak something? It can be. But normally in the New Testament church, by that time, the prophetic meant this, a timely word from God. It's a word that cuts through. It's a word that, that is definitely from the throne. It obviously has to be backed up by the word. But there's this prophetic element, this prophetic edge. And I believe in our lives there's a prophetic pivot that takes place. And this whole month I've been seeing this prophetic pivot in this house. In other words, we do what only we can do. And then this pivot happens. You know, and then when we do that, we get to watch do what only God can do. In other words, a word comes, and in response to that word, the heavens open, and God pours. Isn't that what we saw in this story? There was a need. A word came from the prophet, told her to go gather, go pray, in a sense, get behind closed doors, begin to pour. And as she did that, there was a pivot. And she went from lack to abundance. She went from debt to life. I mean, in a moment, everybody shout the word Pivot. Oh, I don't think you want a prophetic pivot. Shout pivot. Yeah. I know everybody in here is going, all I can see is friends going up, going up the <laughs> pivot, pivot, man. But there is, there's this sense of a pivot that takes place. And then you got to see all that God, that's all we've been doing this whole month. This whole month I've been trying to get us in position for more, knowing that if we can get ourselves creating capacity, if we can get ourselves doing what only we can do, a pivot would come and God's promise to pour would follow. A pivot would come and God's promise to pour would follow. And we got a glimpse of that on Sunday night at Revival. I'm not trying to every week rub that in, okay, about the revival service. I know last week I kind of rubbed it in a little bit, but I, I got to go there. We got a glimpse of that at the revival. And I want to go back just a little bit so we can go forward today. Again, none of this is real new information. It's, it's just kind of taking it all and going with it somewhere. We saw during the revival on Sunday night, the Lord gave me a word out of Ezekiel 43, and it was the passage of scripture where Ezekiel is shown spiritually the temple and shown the mountain where the temple's on and shown the altar, and he begins to be spoken to regarding this spiritual place where man meets God. That's what a temple is. That's what a church is. It's, it's the place where men meet God. It's the place where James Goodhand got to meet God, Amen. That's what it is. It's, a, that's, it's that place. And so with that, and actually Friday night of revival, another young man, Christian, got saved. 
And I believe Christian's getting baptized next Sunday. Um, him and his dad both. And so that's awesome. Um, but, but just that idea, it's a place where men meet God. Amen. And so with that, let's look what the scripture says in Ezekiel 43, 12 through 13. It says, this is the law of the temple. In other words, the order of the temple, the, the rule of the temple, the whole territory on top of the mountain all around shall be most holy. Behold, this is the law of the temple. So what is that? The law of the temple is holiness. The law of the temple is this word, holy. Shout holy. holy. All right, what does that mean? It means this. It's a place that will be holy means it's a place that will be set apart. All right? Holiness is only self-righteousness if it doesn't, if it doesn't go anywhere. That's all it produces is self-righteousness. Look how holy we are. We are so holy and dignified, you know? It just produces self-righteousness. But if holiness means that we get set apart for God's purpose. Pastor Brantley spoke on this on Saturday night when he talked about sanctification. When we get set apart for the purpose of God, ooh, that's a place where God can get things done. Amen? That mountain of God was the place where God was going to get things done. I want to declare in this house, Momentum Church is a place where holiness, that separate for a part, being separated for a part, is something God has upon us because we have a heart and a passion to go after him so that we can see him do what only he can do. It's a house that's going to be set apart, amen? And there's some people that might be in here going, man, that's just too aggressive for me. Well, you know what? It might just be too aggressive for you. But listen to what it says. That's the law of the temple. That's the law of this house. God wants to, when he begins to set us apart, great things happen. And not set us apart for our glory, but set us apart for his. It goes on down, and it says this. These are the measurements of the altar. So when you measure this altar, these are the measurements of the altar by cubits. And what's wild is normally it just says cubits in scripture. Like when Noah was told to build the ark, Build it 300 cubits. Cubit is the length of the tip of a man's finger to his elbow. All right? That's the length of a cubit. And that's how they would measure. They really didn't have a Stanley tape. So they could measure with this, right? And so with that, in this scripture, we see something shift, though. This measurement of the altar, this place where man meets God, there's a shift that takes place. And it's not just a cubit. It's kind of a sacred cubit. Watch what it says. It says, these are the measurements of the altar by cubits. And in parentheses, parenthetically inserted, the cubit being a cubit and a hand breath. Everybody say, and a hand. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a hand. It's been known that a cubit is on average for most men um, to be six hands from the tip of a finger to this spot in the arm, all right? Right before the place of strength, right before the ball, you know? Right before that. It's six fingers, six hands. And so what we see here, this place where God meets man, it's not something that is tied to man. How many know the number six is the number of man? Man was made and created on the sixth day. When Satan tries to be like God, he tries and all he can get to is six. And he tries a little harder and he just gets to six and he tries a little harder and he just gets to six, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. When David went against Goliath, Goliath was, was, was um, um, six cubits and he was, um, 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 had six fingers on, or these are hands, fingers. Yeah, six fingers on one hand and six toes on the other. And he was coming against, it was a type and shadow of the Antichrist coming against what God was doing. That number six means the number of man. But what we see in this, where God meets man, there's a seventh hand. 
If you got that, you'd have shouted right there. Where God meets man, there's a seventh hand. And so it's not in my strength. There's six. And this is what I preached on Sunday night, that it's not in our strength. We do what we can do. We are called to do what we can do. We are called to lay those six hands down and do what we can do and gather the vessels and create the capacity and go to prayer and, and, and pour with all the little that we might have or even the great that we might have, but be faithful with what we have. We are called to do what we can do. But then the seventh hand of God gets involved, and that's that place where God meets man right there in that moment. Man, I love that. And here's the thing. When God's hand gets involved and God starts to touch, we start to change. You can see when Jacob wrestled with God that he reached out and touched his hip. And that spot where all those muscles come together to become one of the strongest portions of the, of the body, that, that, that falls away and he begins to limp from that day on. From that day on, that man looked like he had been wrestling with something. From that day on, he didn't have his own gate. He had a gate that was affected because of the touch of the hand of God. I don't want to walk like myself anymore. I want, to walk, I, want to care, I want to walk different. I want, I want that touch, that anointing, that seventh hand to be on me in such a way that, man, there's something going on there. Amen? Don't you want that for you? Don't you want that for this house? There's something, there's a place that God is meeting man there. There's a place where the, the six hands is not enough. Their strength is not enough. Their ability is not enough. But they've done their part. Pivot, seventh hand shows up. They've done what they're supposed to do, but then God shows up and begins to do what God desires to do. Listen, when the hand of God gets involved, the house gets set apart. There's just no way about it. When the hand of God starts to move upon a congregation, you start to see people getting baptized. Amen? You start to get seeing people getting filled with the Holy Spirit. You start to see people finding out about miracles. You start to see people um, getting repentant. That holiness, that idea of that, that law of this house is to be holy, you start to feel that sense of, 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 of conviction, and there's a need for repentance. And so when the hand of God gets involved, it does. It changes everything. The things you feel like you've done a hundred times, when the hand of God gets involved, they become fresh because of the touch of God on it. You want your walk to become fresh? Do what you can do. And then trust that God's going to touch you with that hand, that seventh hand. Amen? The things you've been believing God for years, they start to come into focus. They start to come into fruition because of the hand of God. You've done what you can do, but now the seventh hand is involved, and God is about to do what only he can do. What was amazing to me, the prophet Elijah, when they had called forth the, the drought, it was time for the drought to end. And prophet Elijah felt like, man, we need to call forth rain. And he begins to call forth rain. And, um, and he sends his servant to go look for this rain. And when the servant goes and looks, the servant comes back and says, I don't see any rain. He says, go again. Comes back, I don't see any rain. The Bible says six times he goes and doesn't see any rain. And he says, go one more time. Shout one more time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on that seventh time he went, and here's what he said. He shouted, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand, and it's coming our way from the sea. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Six times, but on the seventh time, he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. And so Sunday night, I'm preaching this. And um, the idea that, that the seventh hand is going to come tonight and do a work in our lives. That rain is coming, amen? And I love it because Elijah felt so confident 
that when he heard that word, he told Ahab, he said, you better get on your chariot and run because you're going to get wet. That's what he said. It's, 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 it's happening. The, the cloud is coming. And I just want to declare over Momentum Church, the cloud is coming. Amen. Amen? Not because we have been satisfied with, with, with how things have been, but no, 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 we've been dissatisfied. God, I'm hungry. I'm going to do all I can do. And then I'm going to allow you, not allow you, but I'm going to posture myself by creating capacity that you will have an invitation to come and be all that you are and do only what you can do. Amen? Amen? And so Sunday night, I'm preaching this. And man, I'm telling you, I get the sermon done. It was short sermon, not much longer than what I just shared now, you know? And all week long, as I'm thinking about it, God, I just want to preach up to that point and let your seventh hand touch folk. That's all I want, God. And so I get done. I told Pastor Jared, I said, hey, when you do worship that night, you know, have a couple songs afterwards. And so before the service, he's like, I got two. If it goes longer, I can always go back into our set and bring things out. I'm like, that's good. That's good. And so I get done, and I stand there in my seat, and I look at my watch, and it is five minutes till seven. It's 55 minutes. When have you been in a church service where worship's happened and I've preached? And it's only... 55 minutes. And so God is my witness. I'm standing there and I'm like, God, and I've led evangelistic revivals a lot. I mean, before I moved here, when I worked at the church in Ohio, my pastor, he's like, I know you're a preacher. You can preach out as much as you want, as long as everything's covered when you're gone. And so I preached out every month places, revivals, camps, all sorts of stuff. And so I know what it looks like to lead us into a heart for revival and to, to kind of see that happen in a night and see God's hand move. And as someone that's leading, if you will, revivals or a revivalist, they'll call it, or an evangelist, you look for the prophetic pivot, okay? You, you look, your eyes are really wide open in the service going, okay, God, what is it? What is, what's going to be said? What's going to be done? What's going to happen that, that that pivot happens? And it goes from your strength, and obviously you've been led by the Spirit as you're preaching, but it goes from what all you can do to what only He can do. And there's usually this little flip, there's, and I, I just call it the prophetic pivot. There's this little flip that happens. So I'm standing there going, Lord, we have fat, I have given up food. <laughs> I've led our people to give up food. I'm standing there, and I'm just like looking at my watch. It's five minutes till I don't have it. This pivot's not coming. I'm listening to, for the Spirit to give me a word, nada. He gave me that in Spanish. Because we're becoming more diverse, thank God. Amen? Amen, that's bueno. So I had, I had nothing. I had nothing. I'm just like, oh. And so I'm, I'm like, and then I'm looking at worship lyrics. Pastor Jared's singing and worshiping. And I'm like, God, is there something in the lyrics? You're going to show me something in the lyrics. And I'm looking for the prophetic pivot. And literally nothing's coming. And I'm, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm like, God, I don't get it. I know you want to touch your people tonight. But I don't know how to lead them to it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, and in a sense, I didn't realize this until afterwards. I'm at the end of my six hands. I didn't realize it until that night. When that night was over, I'm like, oh, my word. The Lord used my sermon to teach me something about this body and about where God's taking us. And so here's what happens. So, whew, I love it. So 
Trisha, some of you guys know Trisha. She's a future in-law of mine. She has become grandma to the family, which has been a really sweet additional thing regarding my daughter marrying their grandson. And so, um, so with it, she taps me on the shoulder. She never sits on this side. She's always over here with, with Eddie. And, um, but she taps me on the shoulder. She said, Pastor, I, I had a, a picture in my head a while back of people putting their hands in water. And I don't know if that's something we are supposed to do tonight, but I'm just giving that to you that maybe people should come up and put their hands in the, as James said, the tub, you know. And she's telling me, and I'm trying to be a good pastor. Okay, okay. I'm listening. You know how it is. If you've ever done leadership in this role, you know, people will tell you that, hey, I want to say this or I want to do this or I want to. And so I'm just like, okay, okay, okay. And I'm listening and, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Pastor Amy is on her face before the Lord this whole time. I'm like, get up here and struggle with me. But, <laughs> but she's, she's on her face before the Lord, like the whole worship, like she's just there. And, and I look at her, and she gets up and tears in her eyes. She's like, I think I have a word. And she doesn't do this very often. And I'm like, do you? She's like, I do. I feel like I have a word. And I'm like, well, what is it? And she said, she said, I believe that people need to hear no matter how many times they've come. And she didn't hear what Trisha said. She was on her face. No matter how many times they've come, just one more time. God just wants them to know they can just go one more time. And God has something for them tonight. And when she says that, it just welled up inside of me. All I could think of was Naaman, the leper, who the prophet told, go dip in the Jordan River. And he dipped six times. He told him to dip how many? Six times, nothing. But on the seventh time, he came up shouting. On the seventh time, he was clean. On the seventh time, he was whole. And so when Amy said that one more time, I just instantly was like, oh, there's the pivot. There it is. And so I just just slow, just basically, hey, this word came forth about people putting their hands in the tank as a sign of, I don't remember what I said. And, 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 and Amy, she had this word about one more time. And, and I said the name in peace. And, and if you feel like you want to come up as we go back into worship and just put your hands in the, the tank to receive or to to get rid of or to cleanse or whatever, you know, come on. And guys, God is my witness. I thought, okay, two or three people are going to come. Man, they begin to worship. I don't know if anybody didn't come. I mean, it was a gaggle of people and people were, some laughing, some crying, some, you know, there was people splashing water up on them. And, 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 and is that in scripture? Well, no, no. I mean, there is that place where the pool of Bethesda and Jesus went and people, you know, it wasn't in scripture. But in that moment, I think there was a prophetic pivot to it. And people came and did that. I had one of my, 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 my board members said, Pastor, when I put my hands in, I felt as if something rolled off of me down into the water. And he, I'm like, what was it? He goes, I don't know. I need to go pray and find out what, what that was. I'm like, yes, you do. <laughs> you know? But isn't it awesome? It gets better. And so at that point, the night when we had communion, I felt like the Lord said to me, don't give communion to people. Make them come and get it. And the reason why is I felt like we as a church have got to a place where we need to walk in responsibility. Okay? That's, we're, we're maturing. I'm so proud of you because you are. And so we came and got our communion. Well, the same way, I felt like, guys, you know what? Normally we lay hands on folk. We're not laying hands on anybody tonight, you know? I mean, we're just, 
we did this, we're gonna, we're, we spoke some stuff over some people, and, and that's that, you know? And when it was all done, we thought we were done, and next thing you know, adults start coming to get baptized who didn't plan to get baptized, and next thing you know, the service continues as people are getting baptized, people confessing sins, people, man, I'm telling you, it blesses my stinking heart because Adam Zisser here in this drum cage came to the Lord a few years ago and has just waited, and I've talked to him about baptism and when I talked to him he's like it'll happen someday and you'll be the first to know when and I was like cool you know so I stopped kind of pestering him but Adam's sister man he's Jewish by birth and man has found the Messiah as his savior and went to the baptismal waters on Sunday night man have to drive afterwards in that cold all the way to Waleska yes that's where they live you know God was in it Man, we close up service thinking it's about done, and then two more people are getting baptized. Lights are, all, are dim, and it's like, turn the lights back on. Church isn't over, you know. Oh, my goodness, it was so good. And I say all that to say that basically what it was for me, it was a prophetic pivot that took place. And what the Lord showed me that night was I had nothing to do with it. That it was the body of Christ. It was literally, if you think about the seventh hand, that's the hand of the Lord. Guess who the hand of the Lord is in the earth today? His body. And what the Lord spoke to me was, the pivot that's going to take place at momentum is going to happen through the body. It's a body thing, amen? I love that. And that body of Christ that night, a word from her, a word from her, all coming together. People, I mean, I think half the people that got baptized, I didn't even baptize them. Other church folk baptized. I mean, it was just... It was beautiful as the body of Christ was seen and, and as God was seen through the body and not the pastor. Amen? I love it. And so all I'm saying is we need the hand of God on us this year if we are going to experience more of God, if we're going to receive more from God, and if we're going to do more for a God, we need the hand of God upon us. And I think it takes that prophetic pivot to see the hand of God come upon us. So listen, the number one reason we don't see more in our lives is that we call ourselves Christians, but we don't embrace the mandate of the disciple. Three weeks ago, I said the mandate of the disciple is to go make disciples of the nations, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, and that he is with us always, even to the ends of the earth, and that a disciple, <coughs> the mandate to go means this, that they've been trained to follow close to the, to the rabbi. Jesus was the rabbi, and they were trained to follow close. So when the rabbi says go, yes, sir, I'll go. When the rabbi says go, the disciples say where? When the, when the, the, the rabbi says go, the disciples say when. When the, the rabbi says go, the disciples say, what would you have me to do? That's the key, guys, to increase capacity. If Momentum Church, if we're going to be set apart as holy for what God wants to do, we've got to do what God has called us to do as disciples. Shout the word disciple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just, yeah, I have a name, Christian, that I hold on to. No, no, a follower of Christ. What does that look like? And if we're going to have that increased capacity, it's necessary. Listen, we need to decide to live responding to the call of the disciple and then watch your capacity for more of God, more from God, and more for God increase. I guarantee you, you can't do what God has told you to do without knowing God's going to show up. Amen? You do. You gather. You pray. You pour. God's going to show up. You gather. You pray. You pour. God will show up. But I don't know what to do. Have you gathered yet? 
Well, no. Well, go gather. Well, what next? How about pray? You know, get some capacity. Take some time. How about pray? Well, now what? Well, how, what do you have in your hand? Well, use it and watch God show up. Amen? That's good preaching right there. Man, how many of you are ready to have your capacity stretched this year? Really, are you ready? Momentum Church, are we ready to have our capacity stretched? Then we have to remember and pray. That's what he says. And so what we're going to do this year, every Thursday, say every Thursday. That is Momentum's day of fasting, every Thursday. We do the three-week fast, but I mean, every Thursday this year, we're going to go to God in fasting. What does that mean? I don't know for you. But tie it to food. You can tie it to something else too, but something with food because biblical fasting always is tied to food. They didn't have internet then. So you can tie it to that in solitude and whatever, lack of, you know, but, but tie it to food. It could be a meal. It could be multiple meals. It could be all the meals. It could be coffee. It could be something. Vegetables, whatever. You know, I, I tell you, fast vegetables. <laughs> Just vegetables. No, but... When it comes down that day, Thursdays, I want us collectively. Why? And, I, and, and is, is God capricious? Is God just waiting for us to jump through hoops? No. But man, he's a father looking for his people to respond. You know? It's like I could want to bless my kids, but they don't show up at my house. They don't get blessed. You know? Go to that temple. Go to that altar. Go to that place of God. And that can happen in your car. And that can happen on your back porch, and that can happen here at church. But that's on Thursdays. Another thing that we have around here, which you don't know about, but the last probably six months, the reason why you've seen an increase in the anointing of God on our Sunday morning services, and the reason why you've seen this place starting to be full two services, is because on Saturday there's intercession in here. Intercession means to pray on behalf of something, someone else, to stand in the gap. And so on Saturdays at 6.30, it's not something we announce. It gets weird up in here. I'm just telling you, okay? It's just, it's Saturday, 6.30, and, um, and, and, and you may have all sorts, it's a very unstructured, you know, you've seen people worshiping with flags. We don't do that on Sunday mornings here, because I'm not going to freak people out, you know? It's just, it's just something that we don't do. I get that, you know? But there's people that, man, they, they, the Old Testament talks about banners, and there's people that really believe strongly, and I believe that those things can bring forth intercession as you pray, as you do physical things in prayer. And so on Saturday nights, some people bring those. Not, 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 I don't know who all brings it, but some people do. Um, it's just, you just never know what's going to happen. on. Sometimes people, um, um, you just never know what's going to happen on Saturday night. Amen? But I've seen the increase, and I can't tell you how many times that on Sunday afternoon, I'll get a confirmation from one of them saying, here, I took a picture last night, or I wrote this down last night, and I want you to see what I wrote, and it'll be exactly what I preached on Sunday morning. Blows my mind as they're interceding for this house. And so that's prayer, amen? Jesus says, fast and pray, what should we do? Fast and pray. Number two, Jesus says, give. Render unto Caesars what is Caesars, and unto God what is God." You know, it's borrowed vessels they said go get. Nothing that we have is ours. I'm going to challenge you to give. If you've never given, start giving. If you've never been able to tithe, start tithing. If you just stretch yourself, you know, whatever it looks like for you. Obviously, that word tithe means one-tenth of what we have. That's what Amy and I hold ourselves to. I have since I was 10 years old. But all I'm saying is be generous and give. Amen? 
Amen? And, and we're going to see that this stuff's going to work as a pivot. The next thing, we have a mandate to go and make disciples. That means God's put the onus on us for leadership. Every one of you is a leader. You are one to go make disciples. In other words, you're called to be a leader. And so we need to be those who lead others to find more in life through Christ. Amen? That's who we should be. We should be leading people to find more in life through Christ. And if we're going to lead people to find more, we have to, one, lead ourselves. we got to take time to grow. And then number two, lead in how we serve and how we seek and how we give. Amen? And I want to just tell you right now, the call I feel God is shifting in our hearts is that we, for years, I have said we have, are here to help people journey through life with God, purpose, and friends. We help. Say help. Man, God started shifting this in my spirit in the fall, and I, I don't believe that we just help folk no more. Y'all are more mature than just trying, let me help you. Let me see if we can get you down the journey. Let me see if there's just more power in here than there was 8, 10, 12 years ago. There's more understanding in here than there was 8, 10, 12 years ago. Amen? And I don't believe I'm looking at just a bunch of helpers. I think I'm looking at a bunch of leaders. Amen? And so the mandate on this house and you're going to hear me say this more and more, is that we are here to lead people to find more in life through Christ. Amen? Well, there's something here for them to find. Amen? And that's more in life. That's more in life through Jesus. And there's something in here for us to do. That's to lead folk to find more in life through Jesus. I'm not going to belabor that, but man, you're going to start to hear me talk about this idea of leading people to find more in life through Christ. Can you say that with me? Say, leading people, leading people. to find more in life. Through Christ. Say it one more time. Leading people to find more in life through Christ. Yeah, that's, that's the call. That's the thing that's upon us as a church. And so we've got to lead people to find more in life through Christ. We, we've helped people on their journey for years. But like I said, you guys aren't just helpers. You've come to a point. I'm so stinking proud of how you've grown. I so appreciate how you give. I was talking to a pastor just recently about the average giving of a church plant is about $15 per capita person, okay? The average giving. Because church plants draw people that are just starting their faith, you know? And what's neat is you guys are approaching $30 a person in giving. That's awesome. Why? Because we're maturing, we're growing, we're developing, we're realizing that we are called to lead. And if that's a force, and that's what God's about to do with us, amen? And so you can't know how proud I am, how much I appreciate you for being those who have allowed God to develop you and mature you. You've grown so much, there's abilities and anointing upon you. God is setting you apart, the law of this house. He is setting you apart to lead people to find more in life through Christ. And I believe this year, 2019 is God stretching our capacity. And he's going to stretch our capacity. Listen, don't miss this. He's going to stretch our capacity for generosity on a whole new level. And here's the final announcement. And this is something that I'll break down for us. And I know it's getting late. But listen, I believe that each of you are going to lead in such a way in their life through, through, through giving, through serving, etc., that we will move into more this year and that this body will accomplish what is necessary. You ready for it? What is necessary for us to break ground on our new building and to occupy, shout occupy, occupy. August 2020. Amen? It's in us. We've got this. August 2020. Oh my goodness. A year and a half from now. We're in two services now. Obviously, like the last place we were at, when we went to three, we started really making the plans to get someplace. Amen? 
And so the Lord, this year, as we continue to grow, we'll get ourselves ready to break ground. And a year and a half from now, when the kids get back after school and after summer, we can occupy our new facility. Amen? Give God some praise. Yeah. Where did this renewed emphasis come from about this building? Where did it come from? I'm going to tell you, it came from the fast. I did not see this coming at all. And on the Thursday night of the fast, the last Thursday night, Amy went to see her mom for her mother's birthday. And I was at home praying by myself. And the Lord just popped in my mind the building. And I hadn't prayed much about the building. I think earlier in that week, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, that was one of our prayer points. But I hadn't thought about it since then pretty much, you know. And that night I'm thinking about the building and the Lord began to speak to me. And he said, Ross, you're a hard worker. That's what you do. You work. And so you have led this way of raising money just in a sense of work. But you haven't inspired. There's no faith to it. You know, every time we've ever raised money, here's how it's been. Hey, we're going to take up an offering and a pledge for some monthly money. And when we get enough, we'll do the next thing. And that's how it's always kind of been. And it's been a beautiful thing. And, um, and there's been a few times where there was a little bit of timelines, like this, getting this property, we had to have so much raised so quickly. It was like, I think, 150 grand, no, 200 grand in about eight months. And the Lord did that, you know. And, uh, but this last time, a year, and a year and a few months ago, when we began to cast vision about the building, you know, it was just very mad. It was just not real pushy. And, I, and I'm glad because I do believe the Lord needed us to slow down. We need a 2018, amen, to develop growth in ourselves, in our ministries. This house is not the same house as it was a year ago. The Lord has matured this house. I told you we were going to go deeper, and it wasn't the way I expected, but this house matured and is now ready for the next thing God has, amen? So I'm there praying, and the Lord starts to speak to my heart. When you have church planters, and they tell you they want to plant a church, and you ask when, they say five years from now, what do you tell them? I don't even like, call me back in three years. Call me back in four years. I've had planters ask that. Hey, we want to plant. There's no sense of immediacy. There's no sense of need. Hey, there's a need in this city to have a church so bad that we're going to start it five years from now. (laughs) And God started bringing this to my mind and begin to stir my heart that, yes, you've led the people to work, but you haven't led us to faith. And I'm just hearing all this, and I'm like, oh, 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 okay, Lord, a timeline, that that means it gets serious. You know, that, that means that I've got to close the door and pray and I got to take the little I have and start doing something with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm laying there and I text Pastor Brantley and I just said, Brantley, get ready to lead well because we're going to break ground and occupy August 2020. It just, just couldn't, it just was there. I just, it just wasn't me. It wasn't pretension. It was definitely just God speaking to my heart. Morning comes, and it was my day off, and on the morning of my day off, I get a text from Brantley early. I didn't see it till 8.55, and his text was faith-filled regarding what I said and deeply spiritual. He texted me, get some. <laughs> get some. So I give him a thumbs up because that's very anointed. And so I give him a thumbs up. It's 8.55 and I'm sitting there and I'm just trembling in my heart like, oh Lord, it's real now. Somebody else knows. Somebody else has affirmed it. Whew. You know, I'm feeling all this, this quandary and it's kind of neat how full circle this happened today. Brandon, the guy that led James to the Lord, he just sends me a picture of his morning devotion that morning. And guess what time that picture came? 8.57. The picture comes to me and when it comes, I open it up and he goes, I, I think he says something like, I don't know why I felt like I was supposed to send this to you, but here. And he sends it to me. And the top of the devotional said, faith-works. 
And it just blew my mind. I'm like, oh, that's what you were telling me last night, God. I read the devotional. I'm just like, Lord, that's a confirmation for me, you know? And I thought that was the end. Then Sunday comes. And when Sunday comes, a lady that really does believe in like the, she loves the prophetic. I don't understand. I believe in the prophetic use of those flags. I don't understand it, but I believe in it. Amen? Amen? There's a lot of things in the Bible I don't understand, but I believe in And so with that, she had explained to me, she came and she's standing in the next steps room. Pastor, I felt like God wanted me to make some flags that represent momentum. And they're green for growth because I believe we've grown and we've matured. They're gold band. It represents the refining fire. And Brantley and I have said at least a dozen times in the last year, just going through the refining fire. We're just going, we're just being refined. That's all it is, you know? And then she said, but I brought them Saturday night to intercession. And last night I'm praying with them. And I'm like, man, these things are huge. That's just what she says out of the blue. She's like, these things are huge. These are so big. And she said, she felt the Lord say to her, and she was supposed to tell me on Sunday, they're big because they're not for this space, they're for the new building. Come on, somebody. As she's sharing this with me, a fella I loan my a fella I loan my trailer to, who is a new believer, you know, and um, he's standing at the door with this. He's got this huge beard, Billy does, and he's standing at the door like this. Like an old testament prophet. He's just standing there with this stick. I know that Billy knows that I hike, and I'm thinking, well, Billy's bringing me a present. As the lady's telling me this information about this and what it means prophetically as far as the flag goes, oh, and she said, the weight, it's heavy. That's because of the anointing that God's bringing upon this house. I like that. And I know that if she's telling me this, I know what this guy's like, but she doesn't know. And she can tell I'm distracted a little because I'm, try- I'm not trying to be rude. I'm like, I'll be right there. Well, her interest peaks. She turns back, and when she does, she sees him. She's like, you know, because he looks like he's like a prophet standing there with a beard. And um, so and he doesn't know this stuff. I don't know this stuff. She says to me then, she said, do you know what? And this is before I told her anything about Thursday night about what God showed me about August 2020. She goes, do you know what a staff means in like the prophetic understanding? I'm like, not a clue. She says it means, are you ready for this? It means breaking ground. I almost picked it up and started speaking in tongues. No, it was awesome. She said, breaking ground, and I about lost. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you don't realize what's going on here. And then I started to tell them about Thursday night and how Friday morning I got confirmation and how now this morning I'm getting confirmation. And, oh, my goodness, I mean, I was just like, this is it. This God, I'm going to step out in faith and believe that everything that's going on is the prophetic pivot, and you're getting ready to take us into this. Amen? And so with that in mind, the Lord impressed on me that what I did... um, what he did that night, Sunday night, through the body, that's what he's about to do through the Body and Momentum Church. And that he wants us to embrace the idea of another prophetic pivot. And I believe what that pivot is, it's the building. This building is going to be a prophetic pivot for this ministry. And listen, you have heard me say, if you're new, you don't know this, but those have been with me for years, buildings have never been a thing, not a thing for me. When it comes down to it, you've heard me say, a building is just a toolbox. And I put very little importance on the building. Amen? Just a box. If we need a bigger box, we get a bigger box, but it's just a box. And man, the Lord just spoke something in my heart. Listen, buildings don't matter unless they matter. 
Buildings don't matter unless they matter. And I felt like God was just saying, no, this is that pivot for the ministry, that August 2020, occupying that, God's going to take that. That's going to be something that he's going to do great things in that toolbox for. And so, no, buildings don't matter unless they matter. That's why the temple was so important and set apart for his work. That's why the altar was not measured by man's hands, but by that seventh hand, because God's hand gets involved. And this year, I want to prepare us for a move of God. I want to call each of you to a new season of discipleship as we get ready for what God's going to do. That new season of discipleship is a season of devotion and responsibility. It's a new season of experiencing more of God, more from God, and doing more for God. And I believe if we do this in 2019, we will see a move of God. The move of God will touch lives, but also I believe if we will do our part, God will do his, and his move of his, this move of his will result in a new building. Now listen, if that's where it ends with the new building, now I'd be horrible. I would not be happy with that. No, that's just where it begins. Amen? We are going to this year... Do what we need to do to occupy our building next year. And listen, we're going to go this year into a move of God, I believe, because of our faithfulness to do what it takes to get in that building. And once we move into that building, we're going to go from a move of God, you ready for this, to a movement of God. God has a mandate on this house to do great things. And so with that, I want to encourage you guys to just get ready for that. And, um, and so I want to give you a few numbers, and then we're going to go. I'm not going to invite the band back up just for sake of time. But here's just a couple numbers, all right? And I want you to prepare your hearts for this. Um, how much do we have in our building fund right now? We have $157,263, all right? That 300000 mark is the mark we need to break ground. And um, so why? Because we have enough equity in our property, and I've already talked to our, 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 our lending agency. Everything's squared away for us to do what we need to do once we hit that 300000 mark. Amen. So that means we have $142,736.14, $142,000 to go to be able to break ground. Here's what I want us to do. We're going to trust God. We're going to start giving like we've never given before. And between now and the end of this year, that $300,000 is going to be there. But it's time now to get our contractor. It's time now to get our drawings, the good drawings. You saw some of the drawings up here. You know, these are some things that we just did in-house and such. But it's time now to take it to that next level, and we need to hit that $200,000 mark so that we can take that to that next level. Amen? And so what I want to do is that's $42,763 that we need to raise to get to that $200,000. So we're going to do this in two stages. The first stage is to hit the $200,000 mark so that we can really get things squared away so you can really start to see what things are going to look like. The second phase will be the, the last $100,000 toward the end of this, as we go toward the end of the year. And so I want us, I believe that we can raise that $42,000 between now, almost $43,000, between now and Palm Sunday. That's about 10 weeks away, amen? It could be next Sunday I show up here and I say, hey, guys, it's done. The money's already here. We're on our way to the next 100. It could be that three months from now, hey, we hit 300,000. We're breaking ground in the fall. All I'm saying is that by August 2020, we're going to occupy. And you may say, well, what, what, is that a big deal? Yeah, it's a big deal. Th this becomes kids' ministry. The kids' ministry, the whole, all the walls get blown out way down there. And it becomes a student center. It's not just us to get a nice big sanctuary. It takes care of generations so that they too can have stories of hope. Amen? Big foyer that we can have events and various things in. And so it's just, just going to be really, really something. Amen? And so I want you to have those numbers in your mind. The only two numbers you need is $43,000 by April the 14th. $43,000. And then after April the 14th, 
$100,000, and we're ready to take steps. Amen? And so that's exciting. So when God touched Jacob and that happened, that hand of God touched him, there was a mandate on him for a lineage. And I believe God wants to touch us with that seventh hand, and he wants us to walk different from this day forward. We can't walk the same. You can't walk and be generous and walk the same. You can't walk and be hungry for his anointing and walk the same. Amen? He walked with a limp. Why? It wasn't his power that made him a great nation. It was his posture and submission to God, and God poured. I want us to posture ourselves in submission to God and watch God pour. Amen? Those vessels, when they were full, that's when it stopped. Let's not get full. God, we just keep giving you everything we have. All right. Pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this family of God. I thank you so much for your goodness. Bless them in Jesus' name. We look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. As you go out, there'll be in, um, um, pledge cards. You can take those. You were going to say that, weren't you? Come on, Brantley. And tell them to leave the building fast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all so much for coming. Our ushers are at the back. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.